0: comes and blink (laughs) (laughs) and you're and
1: you're listening to the Fancy ramen podcast, episode twenty nine. It is August twenty seventh. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. Wait, I'm Scott, but am I supposed to watch the whole the whole thing? Well i I mean you can continue watching it that's fine The, the music that you just heard was from the trailer from shenmue 3 their first teaser for the ps4 uh this released while we were out last week during the eclipse if you will uh but i just wanted to talk about this real quick
0: this game looks like a giant dumpster fire holy shit Hey, the environments actually, or at least these cinematic environments, look very pretty.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I was actually. I mean, our main character is like
0: thing. absolutely stunned by the beauty of the game; that his face is frozen into <laughs> <and> his <laughs> single expression, and he can't blink because he'll miss the beauty. But I mean, honestly, besides the uh, the character's facial expressions, it's it's quite pretty. Besides
1: the characters entirely, it's pretty like the locations
0: are pretty like they're yeah. not the, the character movement is also pretty weird. It's a little uncanny when he does the fighting scene. That's where I was really losing my shit at. So it's it's hard for me to judge because if you
1: told me this was an indie game, I would I would say wow, the environments are amazing. But if it's you, you know treated as a first party development, I would say the environments are Decent. As an indie game, the character models and the faces, the renderings are not good. And as a first party game, they are,
0: I would say, terrible. So people were asking for this. As I repeat, what? I don't know if they were asking for that specifically. They were asking for Shenmue three, for Shen not Shenpu three. Shen Poo 3.
1: <laughs> and like, if if you look at the character models from uh, Shenmue One and Two, which they're they're the same, but that was for the Dreamcast and later the Xbox. They legitimately look better than these, despite the lower the lower performing graphics.
0: Yeah, like, higher numbers doesn't mean it looks better.
2: Yeah, higher it, numbers means it's a lot easier to make bad things look even worse.
1: If you look up Shenmue One and look up Ryo Hazuki. Whatever his name is, uh, what you get is like a character model that doesn't necessarily look amazing by today's standards, but it looks fine. And it's, even at its low poly version or form, it looks relatively impressive, especially considering it was on the Dreamcast and Xbox. So, like a PlayStation equivalent system, if you will. Or PlayStation 2, I guess. Is that what the Xbox would relate to? Yeah, Xbox is PlayStation 2 era. Like it, it looks maybe better than Deadly Premonition, and Deadly Premonition was, you know, a fine-looking game in terms of character models. Didn't look great in the uh, like the surroundings and areas, but you know, not the worst thing in the world. But now you you look at these new models from from Shenmue Three, and even like the uh, the models that they were showing a couple years ago, and it just it looks really bad, like. I, I can't pinpoint it, but there's something that just looks god awful, and mm. like the motion capture too. You've got to assume it's motion capture, right? Because the cost to is actually it? do motion capture now is not that hard. Like you don't even have to get you know you don't even have to tape uh, ping
0: pong balls to your outfit anymore. <laughs> no, well, whatever are you that saying- those are. Are you saying that the actors then who did the motion, the mocap also don't blink and or change expressions whenever they (laughs) perform any sort of minor action? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Maybe that's intended, but, but it seems like he, he has way more facial expression changes in the Dreamcast game in the original title than he does in this trailer. And that seems really overly
0: obvious. And I, I don't know. And I don't know about the mocap either, just because looking at... His arms like are I, way too straight. Yeah, his uh, that fighting scene is really awkward. Like, the motion itself is awkward, and it makes me hesitate to think that it's motion capture because I just don't think you can have that type of weird rigidity and, like, linear movement if you're actually doing mocap. So... I, if they're doing it, then maybe it wasn't for that scene, at least. But that would—that's what makes me kind of doubt that that guess of yours. I mean, there, they, there's a possibility
2: too that their motion capture just isn't good. Because I was going to say, I think they did the motion capture, but then they threw out the motion capture in regards to just you know statues and stiff arms. They just put ping pong balls on their
0: elbows, knees, and uh, forehead and that's all they have for them, Right, like for there's... The okay,
1: that, that would make sense to me because I know the process of doing motion capture, much like making, you know, film or video games, has gotten... Like, the, the technology has gotten to the realm where it's not unreachable for amateurs. And while this team isn't necessarily a group of amateurs, it kind of looks pro- that way.
0: Yeah, they can still produce amateurish content. But so my- I guess in their case, it's more sloppy than amateurish, right? I, I guess so. And my
1: only hope at this point is that this teaser is more of a litmus test. That they're just like, I wonder how people feel about this. And Not good. And then they would go back to the drawing board and fix things, but... Then they're probably headed back to the drawing board. We would hope so, right? But, I, I mean, it's 2018, and, like, we look at these renders and these models... And, like, while they don't look good, they look like they've had a lot of time spent on them.
2: Yay. Like, in a bad way. So they're going the artist route, then, where you kind of just mess with something until until you've broken it. And, and then you call it good. And you continue <laughs> to break it even more. <laughs> like, it's just like, I think I can make this look a little better if I touch it here. Okay, let me add a little paint here. Fuck, now it looks terrible. Well, can't go back. Eh. <laughs> you can't control Z in real
1: life. Let's set that aside, I, unless you guys have any final final words. Uh,
2: final words are, check out the Biomutant cinematic trailer. Um, it'll make you feel better about what graphics can do. Yeah, I actually
0: just saw that when I was roaming around on trailers through like Google and YouTube for the other games we were going to talk about. And I haven't heard of Biomutants, which
2: means... I guess I'm not doing a very good job on my homework. No, it's okay. I kind of saw a up. video on it like three days ago where it was like the first couple of minutes of the game. And it's quite literally like, hey, character builder. So you model your little biomutant thing and then you pick which path you want to go down in this forest. So one path says, I'm an antihero. Or one path says, I'm a straight shooter. And then the person shows like the straight shooter path then he's like, "Then you've got three paths you can branch off into right is always right. you can bend the rules as long as you're doing good, and it doesn't really matter. A path is just a path. don't dig too deep into it. So I thought that was like an interesting way to set up like your um your character's um morality rather than you know going the route of." Bioware's morality choices where you're like I'm quite literally making a choice and if I don't stick to the original choice I made my character's not going to be good in anything
0: I am watching the trailer and it's quite pretty, that's really cool and also the hand thing creeps me out, I don't know what that's about <laughs> I vaguely remember that being part of like that
1: Biomutants kit I guess you could say that has like a, a
0: robotic hand it used, uses during combat yeah it's like sitting inside the wrist or whatever well i I would say yeah the
1: that game looks in terms of appearance, it looks really good uh but you we do have to note that the first half of that trailer, I think, or something like that when it looks super good and super detailed is all totally like it, oh, yeah. it's it's probably it's not an engine running yeah. But even like the even the gameplay part of it still looks really good. Like it looks on the graphical level of, granted, it's not always as realistic, uh, and it's not trying to be, mind you. But like the le- the same level as The Witcher
0: Three. Yeah. Did you guys watch the Eclipse? Oh yeah, I went to Casper Mountain outside of Casper, Wyoming, and while I worked as an indentured servant for the Girl Scouts for a couple days, I got to hang out on the peak of the mountain and watch the eclipse that was pretty cool did you get totality where you were at total totality 100 percent total complete totality
2: basically you were watching a mortal kombat film it's not film just like a mortal kombat like the first time you see a mortal kombat fatality that's what watching a totality is like, right? You're like, oh I my mean, God, if you so look amazing. Before, if you look
0: before the sun's covered, then your eyes suffer a fatality, that's for sure. <laughs> I made the mistake of thinking that it was 100% covered, and then I looked up without my protective glasses on, and I was blinded momentarily, and I went, oh, damn it, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I'm one of those people who looks up, squints, and then is like, ah,
2: oh. <laughs> that's terrible, I'm just... Possibly the bravest thing a president can do. Do we, I mean <laughs> do we, either
1: of you have any lasting uh, effects or damages from the total eclipse or partial, oh, I should no. say, at that point?
2: No,
0: I'm totally fine. The the only uh the only thing that I was damaged about is I was roped into doing some like like I, I obviously as a volunteer for the Girl Scouts event that I was at, uh like did some work and service while I was there at the uh campsite and I got paint on my favorite shirt and one of and my new pair of like boots and I was upset about that. Oh but that sorry. Was, that was the biggest that was the biggest casualty. The and the Total Eclipse was cool, but I had also read an article um that had hyped it up quite a bit and it wasn't necessarily as rapturous as, as the author who who sold it to me with their like with their recollections of the last eclipse they went and saw. But I will say, the coolest thing, especially being on a mountaintop, is like you essentially have this layered horizon sunset effect when it's completely covered. And so you get to see like these incremental changes in the uh, color of the atmosphere on the way up while it's covered. And that's neat. And the corona is cool too. But. It's a big rock covering a big ball of gas at the end of the day, and it was totally <laughs> worth seeing once, and I probably won't do anything crazy to go see an eclipse again.
2: I think the hard work just muddled your experience of it. The hard work ruined it. If it was more like a vacation
0: just to go do that, I bet it would have been a lot better.
2: One. And also reading ruined it for you as well, it turns out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I should have should have gone in with zero expectations. I ruined my own experience. Don't be like me.
2: I enjoyed myself. We kind of just drove out to uh, Hastings, Nebraska. We were on this little pier where you can actually view the um cranes. You're, and you were on Hastings Lake?: Not on Hastings Lake. It was off some river. My wife knows the name of the river. I'm terrible at names and faces and rivers.: I apparently
1: didn't realize you were in Hastings because I was too.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah, I stopped by the Eileen's in Hastings and took a picture inside there and sent it to one of my old coworkers. I was like, guess where I am? And she was like, cool. She's like, guess where I am? And then she took a picture of Eileen's in Omaha and said, working. Leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, so, okay, so you made it out to Hastings to go see uh, Totality as well?
1: Yeah, we took a train out there
2: uh was it super crowded at your viewing spot no because we just did it in the front yard oh i could dig it yeah we went off onto the side of a river and there were like 15 people there so like everyone was nice and set out super far i've got a 360 video up on facebook of the totality in two different um two different uh videos but I enjoyed myself. It was well worth the trip. I think we might be trying to hit Texas in a couple of years to see the next one because we didn't do any work beforehand.
1: Oh yeah. i I really <laughs> thought it was gonna be another like ten or fifteen years until the next totality twenty twenty four is the next time it hits the states. yep, I probably won't go to the next one it like don't get me wrong. it was cool, and i I purposely went out to see this one. Uh, not only so I could, you know, do it, so to speak, but also to see my family uh, in Hastings. But, like, afterwards, it was the experience of having, like, a hour and a half longer commute back to Omaha by car. Yeah. That kind of, you know, made me question we, whether or not it was
2: worth it a little more. We um, stopped in. Uh, the traffic from Hastings to Lincoln wasn't terrible. So we actually just stopped in Lincoln for a couple hours, had some dinner, viewed That's some... That's a smart move. Viewed some what you call it until that traffic died down. See, and that, we that, that sounds
1: like a, re- a great idea. Uh, we See? would have Planned done that, but my sister had to get back to Hastings at like a decent amount of time because she was still contemplating driving back to Colorado.
2: But yeah, I enjoyed myself. It was my first time seeing Totality. I was like, okay, this is this is well worth it. Besides the... um everyone I've talked to who did not get to see Totality was like, eh, it's kind of dumb. Never taking time out to do anything. And I was like, yeah, because you didn't see Totality.
1: Neil deGrasse Tyson also does not help when he says that, eh, it's not that rare.
2: Well, it's it's (laughs) not, but it's not... It's really rare
0: in the US, though. Yeah, I mean, around the globe, sure. And as a traveling academic, like uh neil is he probably gets a lot more opportunities and chances to see them than just about anybody else yeah that's so
1: i'm not saying what he said was inaccurate because he's totally right it's just it is a little bit of a thing for the you know for younger people that have not seen a total
2: eclipse before
0: yeah no dude's totally showing off his privilege Ooh, science privilege. privilege
2: yeah did you guys pay attention to the ground and do all like the little crescent shadows? Oh
0: man, like when we I didn't I didn't get to see much of that cuz I was in sort of a flat area, but just watching the shadow progress so quickly across uh the terrain was really cool, especially with mountains, you know, because then it makes even faster progress on any sort of uh like downward slope. And so I just saw the shade in that kind of crescent shape, just go whoosh right across the ground. It was nearly instantaneous to me,
2: but it was really cool to see. So that sounds terrifying, like there's a giant dragon overhead.
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of like uh, as if we'd been watching Game of Thrones lately. Uh, uh, No, no. I mean, we could talk about that if you want. I think we should save that till next week, because then After the season the finale will be over. Extent, yeah. Yep. I'm done. Uh, so have you guys been playing any video games lately?
0: Oh yes. Yeah. What about, what have you been up to, Cookie?
2: Um, I have been up to woodworking. Lots and lots of woodworking. But besides that, video game-wise, I have, as you guys well may know, there's a little game called Call of Duty that exists. It's kind of an indie thing, not many people know about it, but they're doing a beta for their newest one. It's uh, World War II. Me and my wife have been playing the private beta for the PlayStation 4 and we're both back in. Back in full throttle. I was hoping Neil was going to say like his little thing right there, but he didn't. So, <laughs> just moving on. Uh, yeah, jo- joking aside, uh, it's Co- uh, COD's
1: triumphant return to World War II and it's been quite a while since we've
0: had a game set in that era. Uh, I think that might be a smart move for them as far as... You know, it's been quite a while to go back and do World War Two and the last one. What's what's the last World War Two game they did that was not World at um, war but not World at War, I was about to say, because that was the Pacific conflict and I think people uh, are less familiar with that. Call Metal of Duty. Like, it was, it was yeah, three, right?
2: Yeah. Three. Slash Medal of Honor. It was Medal of Honor. That's what Call of Duty was doing before Call of Duty. Right. Which... That's a long time ago. That should be really
0: Really interesting for them to go back with all of the um, like technology that they have now, and just all of all of uh, oh man, I'm sorry, I just blanked on that. But but pretty much all all of the like established gameplay elements that have changed since the last time we had Call of Duty in a World War II setting. Like online multiplayer for Call of Duty didn't really get going until Modern Warfare, right? So, Actually,
2: I was playing it before that—the one right before Modern Warfare. I really loved that one as well. Which was, was three, one? yeah.
0: But that was that was like at the beginning of yeah
2: multiplayer
0: first-person shooters on consoles that weren't Halo. Like, it should be really interesting to see what happens now. Now that Call of Duty has a huge amount of people who play. I mean, Call of Duty is a multiplayer game anymore. They don't make really long or. Um, impressive single-player experiences anymore. They're all about the multiplayer. So seeing a World War II multiplayer game could be really great. I mean, I have super fond memories of the early Call of Duties and uh, especially the Medal of Honor games.
1: Well, so you, while you say that, uh, which I, I do want to re- uh, affirm or confirm that this, is the, this beta is only for the multiplayer, right? Correct. Yes. And
2: actually, weirdly enough, I'm one of those Call of Duty players that actually like the story. That was, like, woven, woven in and out of, like, the Black Ops series and the Modern Warfare series.
1: And we've seen, like, a introduction of importance, or an introduction, a reintroduction of, like, more emphasis on the single-player campaigns just as of late, especially with, like, Titanfall 2. Uh, the last uh, Call of Duty, wasn't that Infinite Warfare as well?
2: Yes, that yeah. was Infinite Warfare. Apparently heard, that was a really good story. Yeah,
1: I, I heard that, that was, it was actually pretty decent. Now, granted, this is a different a different development company. Or developer from uh, Infinite Warfare, right? So we we don't necessarily know, but I'm particular particularly interested because that that was maybe like that was what I enjoyed from Medal of Honor, the the single player campaign.
2: Definitely, I I enjoyed
0: the Russian player. conflicts in Medal of Honor. I love I love the uh, Russian front. So much fun to play those in any
2: any of the like. World War II shooter games. Actually, no, this is um Modern Warfare Activision without Infinity Ward. For World War II. Um and let's see here. God Infinite Let's see who made that one. I'm kind of searching to see who made games. Okay, so Infinity Ward made um Infinite Warfare as well. Oh,
1: so they made this one as well? Oh, or, no, World never War mind.
2: Two? Never mind. They made Infinity Ward made this one and World War II's Activision. So, no. Different developer. My favorite developer, actually. I enjoy the Activision ones more than the um, Infinity Ward games. Well, we will see just how
1: well it goes over with the single-player campaign. Uh an effort to keep the ball rolling, uh, what
2: else have you been playing? Um, Shovel Knight. So, not quite uh, Scott's Hollow Knight my knight instead has a shovel instead of being hollow on the inside and he kind of he kind of shovels and digs up treasure and stuff I'm not super far into it it's kind of difficult but not really all that difficult but yeah it's some good times I have not tried out the Plague of Shadows DLC or the uh, Specter of Torment Specter of Torment, that one did they so come included wanna...
1: on the Switch? Or were those separate they
2: purchases? hmm Oh, one purchase for like 19 bucks, I guess. That's an awesome deal. Yeah. Uh, then, so granted, I was playing these next couple of titles on the Switch uh, on the drive from Hastings to Nebraska to Omaha and Omaha to Hastings. So a little bit of time. But um, Flip Wars for the Switch as well got two words for you Bomberman, and then phantom trigger uh phantom trigger is kind of this interesting little like 16-bit game where pretty much you start off you're talking to your wife in a kitchen she's making some food and you're playing a cute little game with her where you're trying to guess what she makes and then you collapse and then you wake up in a fantasy world where you are called the stranger you have no memories of yourself you just have a whip And you're kind of just sent into this world to go collect items. And as you're progressing through the fantasy world as the stranger, you're actually getting glimpses of what's happening in the real world. So you're the dude who collapsed at the beginning is you. He's got some sort of disease. There's this like weird drug that they're pumping him with to like cure him, but he's having these side effects where the fantasy worlds and the real worlds they're like combining and merging so you're getting glimpses of like uh therapy sessions where he's talking about a strange dream where he's talking to people who kind of look similar in the real world to this fantasy world sometimes he'll wake up as the stranger or the wanderer or whatever that person's called and say i don't know where i am he quite literally tries to escape a hospital in one of the scenes saying he tries to open the door, it's like a chemo treatment it's basically so he's like super weak he tries to open the door and he's like I thought the wall would be weaker here and then he collapses and then you're back in the fantasy world
1: so at any Just, point in time during the game, do you have a merchant come up uh, and does he open his trench coat asking you things like
0: what'll it be, stranger?
1: heh <laughs>
2: unfortunately not what
1: are you buying, stranger? But,
2: But all I do know about that game so far is really that everybody likes Rabbit. Rabbit is cool. Rabbit is strong. Everybody likes Rabbit except for one person. And one person sends you on a mission to go poison Rabbit. And (laughs) I unfortunately poisoned Rabbit. And I haven't quite gotten to like the after effects of poisoning Rabbit. So I'm kind of stuck where I'm at right now in this next world. So basically I just say Hey, go through this world, beat the boss, collect the items you say collect, go for it. And it's just kind of me going back and forth. So
1: there's potentially multiple endings and different possibilities and so forth?
2: Yep. Uh, the story branches off, depending on what you do in the fantasy world, will actually also change the effects of what's happening in the real world to you. So you're so doing the trailer something
0: says. like subconsciously in this fantasy world that... Is affecting you, your real life body. Yeah, Yeah, when you're lucid in the, in the real world, you, you actually get to comprehend the consequences. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah the fantasy world's in the, in the guy's mind. It's something like that. So basically, like, one of the characters that's following you around is this ant lady, and she looks exactly like your wife with, aunt, with antennae, and you find out later that your wife is actually an, animal, an, an entomologist... Who oh. studies ants, so that's kinda why she's got the antenna. Don't Things poison like the ant lady. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> I wonder I hope Rabbit wasn't your child. It looks that looks like a cool game. It's it is 16 like the bit gameplay anime is very similar to uh Hyperlight Drifter in the art style yeah. and kind of the top-down dash and slash type of gameplay. Yeah.
2: You've got uh three different kinds of weapons and a blue dash move. Uh you've got a sword that's blue, a fist that's red, and a whip that's green. And depending on like what button combinations you do with things, you can turn the sword it's like an ice spell, the fist will turn into a fire spell. And then someone convinced me to get Overwatch for the PC and we've never played since. I but, know.
0: We know oh what kind of asshole would do that? It's me. It's me. I'm the asshole
2: and i was actually going to ask cookie if he wanted to play some overwatch soon i'm down i really yeah. actually like the way it feels better on pc i can get it's easier to get more headshots like they say it's it kind of just makes more sense and um there was a new trailer for overwatch uh so you got to you got two new trailers for overwatch one was welcome to junkertown or something about junkertown where uh Roadhog and Oh god, what's his name? I forgot his name. Junkrat, duh are trying to infiltrate Junkertown. So that's the new level. And then the next one was for May, is a uh, wake up. And it's just got all the feels. May is back to being Bay and Overwatch for the win. They finally decided how long she's been in cryo sleep, nine years. Instead of like the ten years or even like the seven or seven or eight years that they were trying to decide on, but yeah, humanizes her a little bit more. You
1: might actually be able to play with Scott uh on p c soon because Earth is finally over on League of Legends, and because Earth is over, uh, I've been able to play some other games that were not League of Legends recently.
2: um oh, so we're done doing that now. we're just not playing League of Legends anymore. Cookie, you were, the one, you
0: were the one who made the observation that if you go back to play it normally on Summoner's Rift, it's very boring.
2: Oh, I guess you're right. So yeah, nope, okay. And I'm right bitter that.
0: that I never got to play Fiora in Earth, ever.
2: Real bitter. If it makes you feel any better, I also didn't play Fiora.
1: I think I own her too, and I never got Fiora. And sh- I think she continued to have the highest win
0: rate. Of all I know, and champions, and if Arif. I would have gotten a player, she would have had an even higher win rate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, my time with League has cut down a little bit. I'm still playing some normals, trying to get back into the you know the regular play, but it's been a hard struggle just because it's it's not as fun, it's not as mechanically uh, intensive, and it's not as chaotic. But I, I have been playing a couple games, which I'm I'm not going to go into the details of quite yet. Uh, just because I haven't played enough of them, but I played uh, Sonic Mania, which is basically Sonic 5, what that would be, or is there a Sonic 4 that's not 3D? I can't recall. Yes, yeah, Sonic 4 is not 3D. So, yeah, the, the, this is basically... Uh, I, I'm sure anyone listening already has knowledge of this game, but real quickly, it's it was originally a fan-made Sonic game that was basically a love letter to the first three Sonics. Uh, and then Sega pulling their Capcom, their best imp- impression of Capcom, more or less brought them onto staff, and it's now an official Sega you know, developed game. Again, Is not getting in- into details, but if you ever liked Sonic 1, 2, or 3, uh, it's worth at least thinking about getting, because it it's the same game, but better i guess you could say like new features
0: more too
1: yeah more and but at the same time it's like you can still totally you you still totally see it for what it is which it's a love letter to original sonic mechanics but it feel it has the exact same feel and i think part of me was thinking to my like was thinking that you know maybe sonic wasn't a good game but after playing this, it, it was kind of an affirmation of like you know the hours I spent playing Sonic 2 with my brother were not wasted. This it, you know there, there's still something inherently fun, but also kind of puzzling because as much as Sonic is about going fast, getting the most out of Sonic isn't trying to just speed run to the end of the level, but you know take replay levels and try out different different routes that will get you to the end course because there's actually a degree of replayability that I I kind of did not remember in uh, original sonic and maybe it's not there in original sonic but there definitely is in sonic mania um along with that i've also been uh i i just started playing west of loathing which looks great yeah it was made by the developers of kingdom of loathing which is a web-based uh mmo and to give you any sense of the comedy or like it's all about the writing that's what these games have been known for uh but the mmo their web-based mmo uh, kingdom of Loathing, has classes such as seal clubber, turtle turtle tamer, pastamancer, sorcerer as in sauce or you know sorcerer, disco <laughs> bandit, accordion thief. so really nonsensical and it's a lot of wordplay and pun use that drives force the humor but at the same time like that also allows it to be more accessible to like a wider audience. Uh, and and I would say for for anyone who hasn't necessarily heard of the uh, of Kingdom of Loathing or at this point West of Loathing now, you can also check out the uh, the developers podcast which is called Video Game Hot Dog, and it's maybe one of the funniest podcasts I listen to that has that weird nonsensical sense of humor, but never goes beyond. It, it's never super vulgar either, so nothing but high expectations for that game right now as far as I've gotten into it. And uh, despite it being the type of format in a game that I kind of hate, like, sort of reminds me of the South Park RPG that came out a couple years ago, Stick of Truth.
0: Yeah. Yet at the same
1: time, it doesn't... Much like how Stick of Truth, it was all about the writing there as well, the humor. This game still has that,
0: but it's also not as... Unfun to play, I guess. I love the name of some of these classes: Cowpuncher, Bean (laughs) Slinger, Snake Oiler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also, I didn't realize that this was such a. um, It's a very. It's a black and white, monochromatic, you know, stick stick figure. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's it's super like. It literally looks like everything
0: was made in MS Paint. (laughs) It may have been. That might be the secret here. And yeah, just the inventory, for instance, your gear, your stuff, (laughs) everything. (laughs) So I'll be quick about this so we can get to the hot pot. And because I'm actually kind of operating in that same window uh, that you are as far as I've, I've started or at least gotten somewhat into these, but haven't made enough progress to say that it's like, this is this is the one time I'm going to talk about Dishonored 2, you know, in the podcast and give all my impressions. But now that I've finished Persona 5, which is amazing, and I'm really trying to find other games to play so I don't go back and just, like, speedrun a new game plus here, I pulled out Dishonored 2, which I had gotten... Um, I think only I, I had only progressed three and a half, uh, like chapters into the game, which I believe is probably under halfway on the storyline, if uh, the old dishonored game is anything to use as like a, I don't know, it, anything to use as like a measurement of time that the game probably has for gameplay hours. And it's been amazing. Like, it's just as good as the first one in pretty much all of the uh, gameplay aspects and elements that I enjoyed carrying over and them adding, you know, just uh, like better graphical quality, a little bit better enemy AI, and the combat's definitely like harder, but still very smooth um, and just really responsive. Oh, it's good. It's really good. Um, the environments I, I also like quite a bit. They're very fun, and they're a lot more colorful and diverse, I think, on the pathways that are available in most of the levels than maybe the first Dishonored was. And there's more variability to the upgrade paths for your characters, which is really cool. They brought in some of, like, Dowd's skill set from the DLCs in the first game into the second game as part of, like, Corvo's standard upgrade pass, which made me really excited and happy But all of this is getting done both to distract myself from playing Persona 5 again and to get ready for um, the first DLC for it, Death of the Outsider. Um, And so I won't say too much about the game besides the fact that I'm happy to finally be getting back into it and enjoying it. But it also inspired me to... um, I think you heard me talking about this a little bit earlier, Neil, but I'm really interested now in trying to find and determine side what my favorite like engine is for first person gameplay. And so I because this void engine just it's amazing. Every every time I play uh a Dishonored game, I think like, why can't some of my other first person video games feel as good as this as this game just does? It just feels so innate and natural when I play with keyboard and mouse setup. Out of curiosity,
1: is your first playthrough one devoid of magic or dark arts or whatever they call it?
0: I normally do a uh, flesh and steel run the second or third time. I've already planned out how I think I want to do this since there are two main characters to play and I'm only going to get half of one of the possible storylines. Depending on... or At least with one playthrough, I can do a playthrough with either Corvo Atano, the protagonist from the first game, or his daughter daughter Emily Caldwin. And so those are my one or two options there. But then the game also has, for the other major impacts on story, normally a low chaos and a high chaos ending. And so I think to honestly get all of the outcomes, I'd have to play four times with different characters. And so I was going to try different things in between each one of them. Like right now I'm doing a low chaos and um, like almost completely stealthy. I don't think I've been detected yet. I'm trying to do a like ghost playthrough or I think maybe it's Shadow. It's one of those two for the achievement of never being seen and going non-lethal with Corvo and then with Emily. I don't know if I'm going to do non-lethal as well or if I'm going to do like a lethal assault playthrough with her and then flip the roles so I can see all four of the endings after whatever point in time. But... I was so inspired by how much I was enjoying Dishonored that uh, earlier this morning I bought Prey because it's on sale for 30 bucks and it could be another great and recent new game to talk about. So I'm looking forward to playing some Prey too and I hope to get some time in on that this following week. I'm hoping that it, it feels kind of like a fusion between, say, the exciting and interesting powers of Dishonored mixed with kind of doom Gunplay, that would be really awesome. But if it doesn't turn out to be like that, uh, that's okay. I'll I'll play it. I'll check out the story. I'll figure out how I feel about the like mechanics in general, and I'll give it a review either way, good or bad. I'll play the game.
1: I I will probably say the one thing I've heard many people talk about, and I, actually now I'm questioning whether or not I have this right. But I think one thing that will pri- like affect your enjoyment of the game is how you build your character. And I can't remember do if you it's... And in... Okay, go ahead. I can't remember if it's more beneficial to focus in one branch of your skills or to, you know, build whatever you feel like and go into multiple branches. But you can kind of think of it as like a Mass Effect thing where you have like powers, tech, tech-related shit, and utility stuff or
0: something like that. Yeah, I'd like to go deep as opposed to like shallow and wide on my skill trees um normally. So I hope that I pick one of the like skill tree paths that's pretty rewarding as you go deeper into it because shallow and wide's fun, but you never get to like I think fully experience the benefits or um, kind of the cool experimentation you can do with powers unless you get normally deep into a tree. In a game yeah, that, like that's very true. So, yeah, I hope to... I, granted, though, there are some games, and I think Dishonored is a great example, where if you go kind of shallow on powers, you can often sometimes use them in a way that is very weird, um, but surprisingly well coordinated like you can make powers really have some synergy that you wouldn't have expected so i don't know we'll see how it goes and maybe if i pick like i i depending on how i can partition out the save files maybe i'll kind of play side by side on a progression and i'll do one with a wide swath of powers and i'll do another one that's really deep into whatever i think is the most fun to use but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to pray but i I currently have no no opinions or predispositions for it. Well, then I guess it's time to talk about the news. Opening up that hot don't pot. Don't sound Yeah, don't sound so exasperated. It it's just that <laughs> the
1: first thing we're going to talk about is the SNES Classic pre-orders and I've written out this ridiculous report although uh, I haven't updated it over the last couple days. But now that it, that I see it in front of me, and it's over a page long, I'm wondering if it's even worth
0: reading it all. But read it, read it like a debater, you know. At you know what I'm talking about, right? You mean a Go master debater? It. Yeah, master debater. Oh, you. While I'm you, <laughs> fuck you. While I'm master, Kate. Man, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm let's, leaving. Let's, I'm leaving the Discord channel right now. You're gonna have to finish the episode without
1: me. <laughs> <it.
2: laughs> Let, let's just get through this. Uh, oh, that was the greatest. Thanks.
0: The best way to summarize
1: this was from a CNET article. Uh, in the headline of a CNET article written by Sean Hollister, and I quote: "Nintendo's SNES Classic pre-orders were a shit show." The byline reads: "Commentary: Thought you'd pre-order an SNES Classic online? Think again." The craze started like minutes after midnight central time on uh, last Tuesday. I, I guess that would, would have been uh, Wednesday. I, actually, no. No, I think I'm mistaken. It was Tuesday morning when Best Buy opened their pre-orders. Uh, and as of this conversation we're having, it was probably the smoothest of, uh, of every pre-order release. Um, the, the only thing that people really had to complain about was the fact that it was at midnight Or one o'clock for uh, Eastern uh, for the Eastern time zone, and with no warning. Yeah, there was no warning. the The only interesting thing was that, like, I'm assuming, like, even the three of us were signed up for either email or text alerts for when they were available to pre order. Those never actually went out for Best Buy. Instead, the night before, we got a uh, we got a they they sent a mass text out that was basically asking, "Hey, are you sure you want to get alerts on this?" And then you'd have to text and confirm to continue getting alerts. But apparently that served as a better warning and partly why I decided to stay up a little extra longer just to see what would happen. Uh, but along with them, Amazon went live at 4 a.m. that, following, uh, that, that same morning. Uh, the problem, though, is that the listing that Amazon had had up for multiple months at this point did not go live. Instead, it was a new listing That had the seller of Game Trust, quote unquote, without pictures. And someone was claiming, I I couldn't confirm this because it might have been changed by then. Someone was claiming, though, that there were grammatical errors in the listing that the pre order went under. So a bunch of people basically just decided not to pre order after seeing the listing, thinking that it was a scam. And another problem with it was that. The pre-order did not really limit you to the quantity you could order, so people. Uh, I, I guess the the limit was thirty, so people were ordering up to thirty SNES classics. And what makes this maybe just like a little better and th- uh, like now is that I, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, Amazon started contacting people that had ordered more than one telling them that their orders were being changed to a quantity of one to meet demands and to ensure that as many people as possible got them and a handful of people were also getting delays on their pre-orders so assumingly they had created so many pre-orders that they had already exhausted their initial supply of SNES classics along with that Walmart and Target went live about the same time around noon, central time again, that same day on the 22nd. But both of those basically sold out within minutes. So people were claiming that it was m- most likely because of, uh, because of bots. And then the most interesting approach probably came from GameSpot, which had rumors start earlier that morning, uh, supposedly noting that there was going to be an announcement around noon to GameSpot employees regarding the SNES Classic. And what happened essentially was that they announced initially that pre orders were going live on their website, but not according to Twitter, mind you. But then suddenly their website basically just got pulled down. Twitter on GameSpot announced that they, or GameSpot on Twitter announced that they were doing pre orders in store and were pulling off, uh, pulling down their website to essentially uh, keep those resources to support the in store system. And eventually, it became evident that when you would go to the SNES Classic on GameSpot.com, they would want to redirect you or point you to ThinkGeek, which is owned by GameStop, and we've talked about before in regards to the NES Classics and their ridiculous bundles. So ThinkGeek also had SNES Classic pre-orders available in the form of bundles that were almost twice the price of the SNES Classic. That all said... Like this, obviously, the backlash from social media and consumers was pretty heated. But I'm just curious. After saying all of this, what parties actually deserve the blame in the situation?
2: Um, still Nintendo. Still Nintendo. Is
1: it only Nintendo though?
2: Fuck no, it, cut it off no, at the source. I, I wouldn't at say the source.
0: It, I wouldn't say it's all Nintendo, but I'm a little. I'm I'm kind of salty too right now because I've just been traipsing around town recently trying to find a switch and it's like it's impossible i know it's impossible but i'm still just hoping to like physically bump into a copy at some store or retailer and so it's made me think a little bit harder and more critically about nintendo's distribution practices and how annoying it is to try and get a hold of a console from them
1: i read a really insightful post and this isn't so much about the switch per se but a post on reddit where a guy was kind of making some assumptions, but to paraphrase it, let's assume that the SNES Classic and the NES Classic don't actually net a profit to Nintendo. In fact, it might lose them money even. So the idea is that all of the games available on the SNES and NES Classic are available through the virtual console, be it for the Wii U or the Switch or possibly the Wii. So the SNES Classic and NES Classic are purely just there to generate hype.
0: Yeah, no, I that probably wouldn't be that far of a stretch, right? We know that these games would go for at least a good couple of bucks, each one of them on these uh, virtual console options. And ideally, you don't have to produce any sort of, I mean, you don't have to produce any extra hardware in order for these games to be purchased as digital content. Whereas when you put them digitally on a completely new piece of hardware, like the classic mini uh, NES or SNES, like you you have to build that machine just to put your digital content on it at a reduced price to sell as a bundle, and you're you're generating some social feedback like flack and criticism because your distribution process is not very good, and also I. Guess I want to say quickly before I f- forget to acknowledge, yeah, being able to buy 30 consoles on Amazon or any other like retailer site is kind of bullshit. Like, they should know ahead of time that these are going to be items that are very vulnerable to, you know, being scalped and resold. So, it's, I think, all most parties are at fault here. And I'm, it's, I'm it's making a it. really predatory environment for people who just want to buy one. You know, they just want to buy it for themselves or a friend or a spouse or, you know, as a birthday present. Like it's it's frustrating to see that at each step in the distribution, there's things that could be done a lot better that could have been learned from the last time that the that the NES Classic was released. But
2: Do you think they'll learn? No, they won't learn because they still sell them. They sell them either way. Yes. Yeah. So Nintendo's going to keep its pattern of developing five systems and consoles for everything. And we're going to keep buying into the hype of, oh my goodness, we're going to be able to buy one of these things and get it. Not remembering that even when the Wii came out, I was standing in a target line at... 3 a.m. in the morning just to get one for a fucking next door neighbor.
1: Damn, I wouldn't have done Wii. that for a neighbor.
2: It was my mom's fault. She was like, hey, our target's getting them. Go in this line. I promise them we get this. So that put me in a line at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a Wii for someone else. So yeah, so this was going on during the age of the Wii. I think people have forgotten about that. They're like, oh yeah, you know, it's just the NES classic that they were kind of freaking out about and you know there's hardware issues with the switches. That's why we're so low on those. Well, but I, Wii, I,
1: I, think there are other things that we're not considering. Like first and foremost, the Wii. It, I guess I should say, at the end of the day, no one was unable it, to buy a Wii. Like everyone that wanted a Wii was able that, to get it at mark, fair market value. If they were and if they were too, yeah. if they were too impatient, then they ended up paying a premium for it. But with the NES Classic, which they've already discontinu- uh, discontinued, it is now only scalpable or uh, able to be found from scalpers at this point.
2: And I'm less, I'm like less surprised by that, and more surprised that people were expecting it to be better, because Nintendo's never shown us anything at launch to be better. But we than we for don't consoles. necessarily
1: know if the SNES Classic is going to be as bad as the NES Classic now, just because what, we've, what, what we're experiencing now is the unavailability, I guess, or lack of available pre-orders. But we don't necessarily know how many more units they're going to produce because it might be quite a bit uh, until the end of the year. Or it could be none, you know, a, as we could expect with the NES Classic. Or as we yeah, as ultimately with none. came with. So I mean, we might we might just be jumping the gun a little too early on that, but I'm
2: going with none.
1: Like with the switch, yeah. the The shortage on the switch has not been pleasant, but I know that a lot of compo- like key components for the switch, are also trying to be bought out by Apple and uh, Sony as well. Or Sony,
2: their um, their screen manufacturer went bankrupt. The Nintendo one. Yeah. The manufacturer who did the switch screens they yeah. went bankrupt, so they're having even more issues with that now that's not really Nintendo's fault at that point yeah but and I,
1: I really don't think anyone's going to uh, be prevented to like from buying a switch through the eventually the outcome of its life yeah like it might yeah. be hard to find now but but even then like i I'm still kind of Surprised when people say it's hard to find switches. When I can go out to stores and stuff and see them in person. So if you need me to Neil, do you want to
0: buy me a switch and mail it to me, and I'll just pay you?
1: Yeah, I I could totally do that. The next time I see
0: one in store, I'll just get it. None of this blue and red controller shit, though. You want the black handles, or I need something classy? That yeah, that charcoal. Oh, classy! You mean the Splatoon colored?
2: Oh my god, I mean that's even better.
0: That's so much better, but I yes. don't think you're going to find it. Did I ever tell you my experience where I went to a GameStop and they had the Nintendo Switch console boxes out, but they were empty? And so, of course, I assumed that that just meant you could take a box, show intent to purchase, and then they'd pull the Switch out of like some magical back room that had them. Uh-huh. And I-, no. <laughs> I went up to the counter, and the guy's just like, oh, Oh, I'm sorry, we don't actually have any of those. It's just a marketing thing. It's not like our games where we take he, your he CDs could, out. He could see me nearly cry. He, he, <laughs> saw, he saw my eyes well up, and then he proceeded to spend 10 minutes that he really didn't need to, like reassuring me that I'd be able to find it sometime. Oh, you know. you I'd know, would be uh, able to pre-order it online or something.
1: I think it's pertinent to also point out that uh, out of the three of us, Scott and I did get pre-orders on the SNES Classic from Best Buy. And that was because
0: Neil did the extra work of staying up late, and I did the extra work of moving into a later time zone so I could be ready for it. (laughs) You just have to move to the West. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. If you were in Hawaii, you could have known about this at, you know, like what? Three o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, four in the afternoon. It would have been perfect. You just get off of work. You see, oh, Nintendo, Nintendo uh, Classic Mini SNESs are available. I think I'll buy, you know, 29. Keep it light.
2: <laughs> um, so with that being said, I'm glad you got one too, Scott. Um, yeah, My wife I, is thank you. entitled the help of one of our friends who actually, it turns out, he owns an NES Classic. So those actually exist. So Ooh, he's going to. It must be, be tough confronting that, like seeing that as a reality. <laughs> it's. I still don't believe it because I haven't seen it. But his wife and himself confirmed that they do have one, and he quite literally opened it, looked at it, put it back in the box, and has it stacked away in a shelf somewhere. He's what a kind monster. of monster. He's our. He's our friend who, like, he bought his switch, put a glass cover over it, is super worried about the case scratching the back of the switch, and things of that nature the back of the switch not the screen the back <laughs> so so
1: he now has goat skin lined uh he's goat skin lined his uh switch dock to
2: prevent any sort of abrasions from happening but yep, is goat skin soft a, i i don't know I don't why know. i went with that he's, <laughs> he's got a he's got a custom uh switch case coming from etsy to help better protect the case as well he's our friend that buys things and doesn't and tries his best not to even breathe on it. I own all of
0: these amazing things, and they will remain in pristine museum condition. Don't you think Pretty
1: you're much. pushing down a little hard on that D-pad? <laughs> oh, he returned don't, one
2: of his Joy-Con so, controllers.
0: Don't walk so heavily in the house, the shockwaves might dislodge <laughs> a screw. You know, yeah. I, it's fun to like tease about this, but in all reality, when, when we nuke each other to death... like. He's gonna be he's gonna be a great like archaeological dig for whatever finally comes upon his house. <laughs> They're gonna be like, Holy shit, what is this thing? They'll pick up the switch and then you know that that alien species will forever be doomed to
2: fight over the last remaining functional <laughs> switch. But yeah, so so basically he's he's that friend. And he ended up getting an NES classic, like a few days after launch by refreshing something called like a in-stock thing blah 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 so he's nice. pretty much he's pretty much going to obsess over that for the next couple of weeks for my wife to get her one i'm like sweet less work for me because you guys know how i feel about the snes classic
1: it I can won't live exist it. unless you have it in your hands pretty but- much and i can live
0: without it you know yeah Moving on, if you have comments, questions, or corrections, you can write into podcast at fancybraman.com. And if you've been enjoying the show, leave a review with us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting service. But most importantly, please tell a friend and help us grow our audience. That's how we get the bulk of our listeners. And it's the easiest way to help keep us bringing new and exciting content to you and all the people you love. All the people you love.
1: Yeah, you can um, tell somebody that you're completely ambivalent towards. So that boy you're stalking, that you know, is in the class above you. Uh, and you leave Let him notes know about in us. his in his shoe locker all the time? Yeah, just uh, leave him a fancy ramen pamphlet.
0: And then we'll do a shout out for you once you uh, write in an email for us. We'll we'll bring this creepy
2: stalker love together. Do you like Do you like fantasy worlds? Do you like Gundam animes? Check out Knights and Magic, the anime. Is
1: that's that, my plug. Is that a real thing?
2: That's a plug. It's, yeah, it's a new anime. I'm quite thoroughly enjoying it. A dude from a a geek guy died and retained his memories and was transported into a fantasy world. Why where is magic this a exists? Thing? Like, and what do you mean? Giant it's, robots it's exist. So it's. Both of them together. It, it's so, you like know. the
1: most popular thing now. It used to be, it used to be uh, falling into a coma in a video game, and now it's but now, oh, now it's
0: re Nights and Magic.
1: You fucking die and wake up in a fantasy video game that also has levels and stats and stuff,
0: and th- that's your reality. Like I, it's the same thing as a coma, Neil. It's just now, pe- <laughs> now people in Japan are pulling the plug on their kids,
2: and so they're just straight up just killing them. So they can, yeah. So they can now now go into the realm of Gundams and magic at the same time because they married the two. They're doing the right thing, Neil. It's merciful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All this is going to do is like promote the youth to just kill themselves in hopes that the afterlife, or maybe not kill themselves, but get themselves caught in deaths that are caused humorously at (laughs) young ages so they can be reincarnated in a fucking fantasy world where they can live out their shonen power
0: fantasies. Well, I mean, nail, was it if, was it predetermined that euthanasia would actually mean the uh, <laughs> like killing of young people in Asian countries like Japan?
2: Who knew? Who knew? Well, nail. If you want something a little more upbeat, there's an anime called Cheer Boys that's about boys in a cheerleading squad. I I don't know if that's
0: or even up My more Alley. Rally. There's one about a girl that's actually a centaur, that every time I see it, when I go to like pull up JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4 so Sierra and I can watch it, I just think to myself, have we gone too far? (laughs) Was anime a mistake? (laughs) I'm I'm beginning to think it it was a mistake. It's been a pleasure recording with you guys today. I'm Scott. (laughs) I'm Cookie, And I'm Neil. See you later. Bye.